Go University of Tennessee head football coach Josh Heupel. That's still weird to say. Talking about mm, no, no, not really. Is it weird for you? Yeah, still a little bit. I don't know. I just yeah, still I still think weird. obviously Josh Heupel and OU, but good for him, man. Here's this is what's weird to say. Head coach of the number one yeah. undefeated eight <laughs> no. Tennessee Volunteers, Josh Heupel. Yeah, that is weird to say. And I, uh, I, I guess I, I wanted to see earlier today how OU fans feel about Tennessee's run. So there's a question on both our Twitter and Facebook pages. Uh, you know, OU fans, have you been actively rooting for Tennessee and head coach Josh Heupel this season? Well, on of Twitter, there's, there's over 1,500 likes on Twitter. Um, I don't even know how many responses. I mean, several hundred. And 95% of those have been, yeah, absolutely, I've been rooting for Josh Heupel. Of course, man. All, former Sooner, always a Sooner. Let's, let's go. I, I hope he wins the national championship, which doesn't surprise me, and I'm glad that people are reacting that way. But if they win Saturday, man, you beat Georgia and Alabama in the same year, you, you might be the front runner to win the national championship. I, I, I guess like judge, those responses probably give me the answer. I, I still wonder a little bit how OU fans are going to feel if one of their former quarterbacks wins the national championship. I know everyone's going to be happy for him, but is there some sort of a yeah. hindsight look of, well, that's who we really should have hired if he's going to go win well, a title? Of course. Obviously, there's going to be a hindsight look to that. That's what sp- Sports is the most hindsight-heavy uh, industry or uh, whatever you want to call it. it that's, all, that's all sports is, is hindsight. So, of course, that take is going to be there. Um, I, although you couldn't have convinced one person last year that that should have been the hire, um, and he wouldn't have taken it anyways. But yep. that's what we always do is, uh, is go hindsight. But everyone from Oklahoma is going to cheer for Tennessee to win a national championship, especially over the likes of Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State and whoever else may be in there. As long as we're not in it ourselves, right? And like, as soon as we go to the SEC, no one's going to be cheering for Josh Hopple to win a championship. Uh, but right yeah, now, probably not. Especially with us being out of it. Sure, go ahead. Go do it. We need a changing of the guard. You know, the- and frankly, if they beat Alabama and Georgia in one season, they should pretty much cancel the rest of the year and <laughs> declare them national champion, right? U- UCF style, no matter what happens, claim, yeah. claim the, the national championship. No. Yeah, it, 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 here's like an off-season topic that I think we had a few times. Uh, well, you know, it, it's been shown in the past that your first game in the SEC, the conference wants to give you like a big-time matchup for your first-ever SEC game. A&M played Florida. Missouri played Georgia. And we're trying to sift through and think of, like, who OU's, who, like, the obvious choice would be for OU for their first big conference game. I feel like after this year from Tennessee, that one is probably the one that makes the most sense with the connection that's there. Here's the thing. Weren't we scheduled to play them in 25 anyways? Yeah, that's one of the non-con games that got uh, taken away. Got changed up. Or I I think it did. Yeah, it did. It did. Um, yeah, that would, that would make a lot of sense. I wouldn't mind uh, hosting Tennessee or headed to Tennessee. You, you, 
they typically played at home, right? In that how how it's worked. Yeah, A and M. Uh, a and M's first SEC game was at home. Uh, I believe Missouri's was as well. I know their. I know Missouri played Georgia in their first home SEC game. It. I I hope the SEC move happens before 2025, but if 2025 is your first season in the SEC and Tennessee is your first SEC home game, what an opportunity to bring back the 2000 national championship team for a 25-year reunion. I I know that he would be a little occupied and not able to uh, stand out in the field with the rest of the team or go to any of the Friday night events or anything, but that, that would be cool to do that while he's in town. Yeah, it would. Um, do you think they're the best team in the country? We haven't talked about the, the rankings, college football playoff rankings. Tennessee number one, uh, TCU seven. It's so crap, uh, which, man. That's just – like they yeah, literally made up that. excuses for TCU to be all the way back at seven. And I'm not saying that they should be in the top three, but to have them behind Alabama and act like Alabama has looked – to Alabama standards, very average this year is is a joke, man. Well, I was I, – I, it's not that shocking to me that they would downgrade TCU. That's not shocking. No. What's shocking is of all of the teams that they could have put at number four, they put Clemson at number four. Like, that is – that was strange to me. I did not see that ha- – I, I could have seen Michigan – yeah, I could have seen even Alabama. Definitely could have seen TCU. Did not think Clemson was going to be number four. Uh, Clemson doesn't even know who they want their quarterback to be right now. I mean, I would say no. that that's kind of an issue, don't you? Wouldn't you say? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would definitely say that's that's an issue. But I don't know. It will all most likely sort itself out. Uh, I'm happy for Tennessee and – I, I did not expect them to put Tennessee at number one. I definitely thought it was going to be use this as an opportunity to have one versus two. thought it was going to be Georgia one, Tennessee two. But they had to go ahead and make Tennessee number one as they're going on the road to Georgia and not only uh, put them ahead of Georgia, but put Georgia all the way back at number three. Yeah, why? why? Just make it the first one versus two matchup in the playoff rankings in the playoff era. Like, why Why did they not do it? They bumped up LSU to 10 to make the Alabama-LSU matchup a lot sexier. Why didn't they do that to Tennessee and Georgia? It made no sense to me. I have no idea. I don't know what they so do. So dumb. Nothing they do makes any sense at all. Uh, Tennessee definitely has the best uh, resume in all of college football. I, there's... There's no doubt about that as, as we look at things right now. But, I mean, there is a bit of a level of, like, you're going to be able to settle this thing on the field. So, like, to be number one, you should have to beat number one in this case who's going on, like, I don't know, 20-something games in a row undefeated. Right. So, oh no, yeah. they're not. They lost. They they lost last year. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot about that. Um. Yeah, they lost in the SEC championship game. I, right. It, it, I don't know. It, it it. And I know I'm not supposed to get worked up and mad about a ranking that doesn't even matter. But why it annoys me is that it's college football looks stupid with rankings that they put out in early November that make no sense whatsoever. That's why, that's why it makes me mad. I know that they don't technically matter, and the only rankings that matter are the ones that come out at the end of the year, but can we not make the sport look like a bunch of idiots every single Monday night in the month of November? Can we do that, please? Yeah. yeah. There's no reason to overthink this one. 
there's a bunch of other rankings where, like, you're going to get in, into the weeds with some stuff about who should be where and why they're at this place. Not one person in the entire planet would have questioned, even the folks at Ohio State, nobody, nobody would have questioned if Tennessee was one and Georgia was two. Yeah, no. Or I, Georgia was one and no, Tennessee was two. No. Nobody. Nobody would have. And you got one verse two. Uh, to be able to to watch it and the first time ever to have this matchup in the regular season, amazing. This is going to be fantastic. Nope. <laughs> it's amazing. So dumb. Uh, text line says, I personally don't think that Josh Heupel has much good to say about Oklahoma these days. This one says, I'm not rooting for Heupel. I'd rather have Bama or Georgia win the natty. OU doesn't need an additional program to compete with in the standings and in recruiting. Um, yeah. Let's see. That's always been my stance about just wanting Alabama to win everything. Yeah. Because right, you don't want someone else getting up there and, and right, fighting for, those, for that, that premier spot. I mean, I understand that. But here's the thing, like the first comment about Heupel not having anything good to say about Oklahoma. If you listen closely, Heupel doesn't have anything good to say about anything at all, ever. So, it's just kind of par for the course. Yeah. That's how it is it's, with him. It's just kind of how he rolls. Yeah, for sure. He's I, kind of a curmudgeon. I, uh, he, he, was he like that in 2000? Because I remember the, why not no. us? Why, why not us, guys? Why not us? He was like overly optimistic going into that 2000 season. What happened? Uh, no, no, he wasn't at all. Um, I think. I think with the... The, the pressure and uh, the pressure and the scrutiny and like the frustration of like of of what players do and don't do I think all of those things have kind of steered him into the direction where he is now <laughs> you sure. know what I'm saying I, I just hope that there's a day that um and I, I think OU is definitely ready and, and willing to, to kind of, you know, meet him halfway. Whether it's five years from now or 15 years from now, I, I hope that there's a point where he can come back to Norman and get the recognition he deserves. Because there sure. is no doubt he deserves a whole lot of recognition for helping that rebuild. I mean, he was kind of the main – I mean, in, in terms of players on the team, he was the main central figure at the middle of that rebuild. Totally agree. So I, I just totally I, agree. I, I do worry about him a little bit at Tennessee. Just in, I, they're going to have a great year this year, and they may win the football game on Saturday. But that's a program that hasn't won in a long time, and you know how that works, man. Once you get that little bit of taste of success, you feel like you are entitled to it every single year from here on out. I, I just hope that, and I know it's going to happen, but Tennessee wins big this year. They get an unrealistic view of kind of what they are, and they go Auburn style and try to fire him in two years if he backs up this year with a nine and three and an eight and four. So yeah. I guess he'll get a nice buyout, so maybe I shouldn't feel too bad for him. But you you know how that works. We've seen it. Right. Right. Let's. We've buried the lead though. At what point are you going to issue? A formal apology to me over our. I already did. What are you? What are you no, talking about? You you've skirted around it a time or two. I have not. After they beat Alabama, 
I apologized. The, the first Monday segment of the show, the way that we both apologize to each other when we disagree on something. I'll do it again if you'd like. <laughs> oh, wait, that was an old one yeah. when you were wrong about something. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, no! But no, I apologize. Okay. No, no. Yes, you were you were clearly right about Tennessee, but just right. don't let them just, lose three games down the stretch here, or I'll play they the might one do I just that. played. And I think I will still. I think I've already surpassed what uh, you had them as a win total. Uh, maybe seven and five. You know. Is that um, what happened? Mm. Yeah, I just I I. It's not too much to ask for you to bring it up about. How wrong you were and how right I was every single All right. day. All three days you're on air next week. I'll bring it up every <laughs> single day. How about that? Oh, yeah. I meant to tell you, uh, we may have an issue. I may not be there for the show on Monday. We'll talk about that yeah. later. Uh, Camo Sooner says, I feel like Georgia being anything but number one plays right into their hands. Uh, let's get yeah. back to the Hypel text. Why are so many people negative on Hypel? He brought us our last national championship and you can blame him for being pissed after being canned for that fraud and mule shoe. I hope Tennessee runs the table. No, I, I don't think uh, people are negative at all. Like, 95% of the responses we got on social media were incredibly positive. Like, duh, why are you even asking the question if I've been actively rooting for Tennessee? Of course I have. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, it's one thing to make a nice run – with a, I think he's a six-year senior, at least a fifth-year senior, really good player at quarterback. It's another to to have that success continued, um, you know, af- after that. Now, that's going to be the real challenge for him. They're going to have a really good year this year. Are they going to win the SEC? Uh, I don't know. I think it's trending in a good direction for them. Are they going to win a national championship? I don't know, but I think they may have an opportunity at it. The real question is, 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 is there an ability for sustained success? That's, that's what I'm wondering there. And just like you said, you know, it, it'll ramp up pretty quickly on, like, no matter what they do this year, you better equal it or better it next year, right? Well, we've seen that before, especially in that conference. Uh, Coach O got fired less than two years after winning a title, right? You had Gene Chizik, I think, get fired right around two years or, you know, that, that same amount for at, at Auburn after winning a national championship. Uh, what are some other good examples of things that have happened? Uh, Bobby Petrino had a really good year, but that was uh, <laughs> more of another situation. Um, there, there's definitely times in that conference where someone has won at a high, Mark, Mark Richt won 10 games consistently forever, mm-hmm. and he still ended up getting fired at Georgia, right? Phil Fulmer won at a uh, pretty high level at Tennessee, and I believe he still, like, he may have resigned, but I'm pretty sure he got fired out there. So it's it happens in that conference. You win big, you better do yeah. it consistently, or else. I mean, it's constant turnover. Dan Mullins, I mean, there's, it's, it's just one after another. Um, Pretty shocked to see that Tennessee – I thought they were higher than this. They're at number 12 in recruiting. I thought they had a top 10 class coming they in. Did, uh, they did about a week ago. But there's been some teams, I guess, surging here recently. OU's back to uh, number 7 right now. Yeah. LSU jumped in because your boy uh, Brad Davis, hot sauce, O-line coach at LSU, 
got a got a nice prospect today, which I told that story on Locked In about yeah. how he uh, how he got to OU and the Cliff Notes version of it, and you can take it over if you want. But basically, John Blake's crew recruited the wrong Brad Davis out of Louisiana, right? Yeah, and, and this is the story that I always heard. John Blake's crew. There was a a high highly rated recruit out of maybe the same town, maybe it's New Orleans, somewhere in Louisiana, and they they issued the offer. Um, they called him. I don't know how much they called him and talked to him, but you know he signed the offer letter on signing day, sent it back, and I don't know at what point they figured out that they had the wrong Brad Davis, <laughs> but they tried to take his scholarship away, uh, and I think he sued him. I think it went to court or maybe threatened to go to court or whatever, and they end up having to honor it. And next thing you know, Brad Davis is a starter and a captain it's amazing. At, at OU. And now he's uh, one of the top offensive Forget line coaches. Forget winning a national championship and getting OU back to prominence. That was probably the most impressive thing uh, the, the early Stoop staff accomplished. Is do, taking a recruit that the previous staff mistaken for another player and making him to a captain and a starter. Dang. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Late for a timeout. Quick break. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out in Goldsby today. Priors Pizza Kitchen. You got to stop in. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. We'll get to your text momentarily. 405 651 3439 on the Air Coverage Solutions text line. You know, I, this game is interesting for several reasons, but definitely the biggest matchup to me is OU's running game against Baylor's defensive line. And for the, you know all the good things that OU's been able to do the past two weeks, don't you feel like inside the five running the ball, OU's had a uh, little bit of a, a, of a tough time at times? Certainly last week they did inside the five. Uh, even in that Kansas game, they came up short right before halftime. Are we going to see a lot more Wildcat with Eric Gray or Braden Willis kind of moving forward in those spots? Um, they did that the final touchdown drive that they scored on on Saturday. Yeah. I I don't know if we're going to see a lot more, but I think it's going to continue to be uh, a piece of what we do, and it seems like it's going to be, be a piece of what we do uh, in the tight red zone and down near the goal line. So I would venture to say yes. Um, you know, I think they'll probably build on those packages a little bit as well. Um, but I – yeah, I think that's going to be something you continue to see. I mean, and, and, and you know, it, it's going to be it's going to be difficult against Baylor if you get down there in the tight red zone. I know as well. I mean, that's not a it's not a new thing. That is that's that's the hardest place on the field to score. Um, and yeah, if you can, if you just knock everyone off the ball, yeah, it's easy. But that becomes way more difficult whenever everyone kind of knows what you're going to do. And even if they don't know what you're going to do, they sell out to stop one of the things and try and rally to the other. I say this, and then Braden Willis is going to take four snaps inside the five on Saturday, but it kind of feels like they do like to run that Wildcat package, but maybe they found that they like to do it most with Eric Gray and use Braden Willis as an additional blocker. Was it the, was it the Kansas game where they ran it on the goal line and he got – they got stopped, and then they ran 
Um, I think he ran it once in the Baylor game. Yeah. I feel like he, he did. He talked Can- about Brady Willis. Game? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think so. But, you know, I, uh, as time has gone by, I still think that there's probably been an expansion to that stuff that maybe we just haven't seen yet. Maybe. So, yeah. Hey. I- but I do think it's going to continue to be a piece of the game plan. And I'll tell you what. For the, about the last three or four weeks, they've added an element to the run game every week, and those things have continued to be big pieces for us. Texas, obviously, they added the Wildcat. Uh, Kansas, they added the speed option. Iowa State, they added the, the handback stuff under center, which I really liked. Hopefully, they keep doing that. So the, the package continues to expand, and – there's a, a lot of really good variety there. He fumbled on the speed option in the Kansas game, but I still uh-huh. really like it because, you know, you pound the ball with Gray and then your other running backs and you run, run, run and have some success. And I don't remember exactly how many times Gabriel ran it on Saturday. I, I do remember that speed option that goes for a first down. But it feels like when they go to that play, or at least they did on Saturday, or it's an option for Gabriel to run it and he pulls it, there's there's something there that's going to get a nice little chunk of yardage. Yep. No, it's been good. It's been really good for them so far, even though you did have the, the fumble. It's an easy play to put in. They ran that speed option uh, whenever they ran the three plays with the uh, the second group, right, whenever yep. they brought all the youngsters out. Which, what was that about? Do you about? think we see that again? Uh, tell me how well, the offense plays. If the offense is – you know, really struggling early on, maybe. I, I I tend to think that was a message that was sent more than a – No. You, you think it was more of a curveball that they were trying to throw the defense? No, it was – Coach Venables talked about this on Monday at the at the Rudy show. He, he went to the staff, you know, and said he wants more of the young guys playing. And – you know, he doesn't care how it's done, but he <laughs> wants to get more. Obviously, the way that that happened. Well, yeah, and that was something that the the offensive staff came up with. Uh, give those guys a, a handful of plays to really know, to really um, uh, be able to go in and execute fast and at a high level. And they did it, and it worked awesome. The guys were all pumped up about it. It was cool seeing them run off the field and high-fiving and hugging each other after having some success out there. So I, w- I wouldn't be shocked if you saw it again. Yeah. I know uh, the Iowa State game's kind of in our rearview mirror now, but looking back on it a little bit, you know, I said for two weeks, like, all right, this Iowa State game, it, Jeff Levy called a great game against Kansas. They have, had over 700 yards. But, man, yeah. this is a big game for him. Like I want to see against this Iowa State defense if he can run the ball and he can stick with running the ball and not panic and throw it. I, I thought he called a really good game. Now, you'll look at the final offensive numbers, and that won't tell the story. You look at 27 overall points, and one of those came by a fake field goal, and you say, eh, I, I, I think Levy was fine. But – I don't think Levy was the issue offensively. I thought he dialed up a ton of great things. First play of the game, um, it, it wasn't his fault that Mims played bad or played poorly. I, I Levy back-to-back games, he and he had gotten a ton of criticism coming out of the Texas game, and that's fine. But 
he's kind of seemingly started to find his stride a little bit as a play caller at OU. Well, I agree. But the criticism of Lebby coming out of the Texas game was not fine. It was stupid. Yeah, I, I mean, he did have that one drive where he goes away from the Wildcat. That wasn't a great decision, but sure. It's hard well, to – Well, you're not going to – like you've got to try and do some traditional offense. You're not going to win the game. I know. I, I know. I'm talking about in the middle of the drive that he went away from it when they were they go all the way down yeah. the field that first possession. But no, I I agree with the overall point. Well, yeah, is, they, they go down the field, and if the quarterback just hands the ball off on the zone read inside the five yard line, <laughs> uh, the running back could have done a, a Michael Jackson moonwalk into the end zone. So. I mean, you can blame Levy if you want. I maintain that it's stupid. But uh, I thought the I thought the the game plan and the play calling against Iowa State. I agree. I thought it was excellent. And I know it's twenty seven points. And I some may look at that and say that's not good enough. But it's. I think it's the most anyone scored against Iowa State in conference this year, isn't it? Or maybe Baylor. Uh, did. How many Baylor how many points did more. Texas score? Twenty four. Okay. Ooh. Oh yeah. I think Baylor scored more, but Iowa State is I think Baylor won thirty one twenty four. I know they won by a touchdown in that game. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's a to me it was a really good number. And as you mentioned, we had Several other opportunities that we just couldn't, especially on first down, off. But they were great, great play calls and really nicely designed plays. Braden Willis, General Booty, and Eric Gray on the goal line says the text line. Call it the Wild Booty Formation. Boomer, KC Sooner. <laughs> uh, I don't think we're going to see General uh, Boote out there, but I could be wrong. Well, let's let's hope that that's not the case. Something has gone very wrong. If if no more nine and three talk, if General Booty's trotting out there on the field, what's the scuttlebutt on Javante Barnes? Oh, it's a hammy, and you don't know how it's going to respond. Nah, um, BV said it's he's a true game time decision for Saturday. That's about as much scuttlebutt as I can give you on that one. What's the scuttlebutt on Marcus Major? Um, that he's going to play. Eric, uh, Marcus Major or Eric Gray? Marcus Major. I it, I know he's going to play, but is he going to return to form? I feel like he's still not like he was. He had an opportunity last week. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't great. Um, I Dude, at this point, I think what you saw last week is kind of what you get with Marcus Major. Yeah. I, like, I don't know what you should expect anything different at this point. Yeah. Well, yep. I expect something different because I saw how he started the season. He was great the first uh, part of the season until he got hurt, and it looks like he just hasn't felt right since then. I mean, the dude was running with some explosiveness to start off the year. He was great. What's he was good enough that everyone kept saying that he should be the starting back. You got to bench Eric Gray. <laughs> we did that show in Omaha, Nebraska. I have all those text receipts. You're right. That did happen. What's the scuttlebutt on Eric Gray? He good? Oh, yeah, he'll play. Okay. What's the scuttlebutt on uh, Oklahoma State quarterback Spencer Sanders? Out for the year? Sanders? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, is What, everyone's saying collarbone issue, right? Broken collarbone, potentially, yeah. Mm. Mm. I wonder if KU is uh, now the favorite in that game since the line dropped so much today. 
Jalen Daniels of Kansas is practicing, and Spencer Sanders, uh, it, it's still a pick em as of right now. Yeah. Uh, I will. How about this? I'll, I'll give you some scuttlebutt right here. If, in fact, the Sanders kid has a broken collarbone, he will not play in the game against Kansas. Can I quote you on that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You tweet it out if you want to. <laughs> All right, we got to hit a timeout. Quick break. More from the rush coming up. A couple of segments left in Goldsby today, hanging out at Pryor's Pizza Kitchen. Stay tuned. There's Billy Bowman talking about the Baylor offense. He was back last week against Iowa State. You think he's a full go on Saturday? Going to play all the uh, defensive possessions this time around, unlike last week, or what? Um, I don't know if he'll play all of them. I would say it's safe to assume that he plays a larger percentage than he did against ISU, but um, I, I, I don't know that he'll play all of them. He'll play and, more, though, right? Yeah, I think he'll play okay, more. Good. I think he'll continue to, to see a, a bigger percentage of, of the share of snaps. Um, but I'll tell you, man, in his absence, there's been some some really good development on the back end. Robert Spears Jennings is going to be a dude now. Just telling you. Agree. He's going to be really, really, really good. And he has earned himself more snaps as, as the season goes on. Right. Does that mean they're all going to come at the expense of Bowman – while he's nursing the knee, I don't know, but I think they're going to find a way to get him on the field some more continuing forward. Yeah, Patrick says, will we score 30 points this week? Uh, yes. I, I haven't had him scoring 31 in my early week field. I, I think I'm going to go with the higher score than 31-27, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, a little bit higher point total. You've already... You're already making a change to that, Well, huh? it's called an early week feel for a reason. Uh, things can change as the week goes on, yes. What's your uh, mid to late week feel right now, trending score-wise? Oh, mid to late week feel probably sits somewhere 35-31 in that, in that range. Oh, you've bumped it up a whopping four points a team. Just huh? like the uh, total has, yes, because You're of the such weather. a loser. No, I thirty-eight, thirty-five, probably somewhere around there. Thirty-eight, it'll be, it'll be really close. It'll be like every other game this year. We've been saying it's going to be a close, close games from here on out. I don't think tomorrow's any different. Yeah, yeah I, f- I feel like if I was to give an early week Phil this is an early I'm still early weeks this is only it's your uh, second day on the job this week that's right. correct um, I would say I'm trending towards a 38 or 41 point total for the University of Oklahoma um, for Baylor I'm trending around the 27. Jeez, you got OU in a runaway. Man. That's not a runaway. 41-27 isn't a runaway against these guys? Uh, I think it is. No, it's it's 30. It'd be like 34-27. You're up a touchdown, 
and you're able to seal it late, just like we added a touchdown against ISU. 41-27 win. Spreads three and a half covered by, okay. Which, by the way, right. did anyone talk about how I uh, picked the exact right score for the ISU-Oklahoma game? Uh, you must have done that on another show because of the three days you are on the show last week, I don't think anyone heard that. That's what I picked. Hmm. I guess we all missed that one. 41-27, okay. Teddy's got a beatdown in Norman. If, uh, if for the second consecutive week you are right, and the 27 number looks good to me, though I'm still sure people will say, well, Baylor's offense sucks. You can't judge it off that. But if OU scores 41 against what might be at least the second-best defense in the conference, if not the best, that, uh, that's going to be pretty impressive by this offense. That is a yeah. really nice number against a, a Baylor defense. It's not as good as maybe last year, but still pretty good. Well, here's the thing. Um, Baylor currently is the number three scoring offense in the Big 12 if you go off of conference-only stats, which, as I said earlier, I think that's probably the best way to, to grade how you stand up against other teams. I think if you held a team that's averaging 38 to 27, I think that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, to go ten under good. their average. I would take that. In so heart. yes, I don't care how much. I, I don't care how many rushing yards they have. You hold them to twenty-seven. That's the only number I care about at this point. It would also be under our average for what we're giving up in conference. Uh, that number is twenty-eight point eight. Skewed like these numbers are massively skewed because of the Texas game, but they are what they are. You are what your numbers say you are, Tyler. Yeah, that's what I heard. Patrick it's always says, been our mantra here. We won't get near as many possessions as everyone thinks. Hmm. Also, everyone telling you to make it 41-28, so your point total is 69. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. 41-28. There you go. Nice. Uh won't get as many possessions as everyone thinks. Hmm. If you hit on the deep balls that you didn't hit on a week ago, you, you might. I, I, oh, you still going to take some chances. That's kind of the DNA of their offense. They are, they are going to well, throw the ball down the field. You hit on those, you'll get, I, you'll get possessions. I think we'll get, you know, 12 possessions. Um, you know, Baylor – there's a chance that they – like we, we were talking about the, the Tech game. You know, Texas Tech lost the uh, time of possession 40 minutes to 20 minutes. All right, and I talked about how uh, a lot of that has to do with Baylor and, you know, how, how often they go for it on fourth down and the running game, methodical. But in that game, the reason it ended up that way is because Tech – turned the ball over five times now if we turn the ball over five times i don't think we're going to be scoring 40 some points all right so i'll go ahead and cut you off at the pass on that one uh i'll go ahead i'll add the caveat if you'd like uh my score is um 41 28 unless caveat we turn the ball over five times (laughs) then it's not that's not going to be the score uh, geez. Uh, the score, if we turn the ball over five times, the score will look 
exactly like what it looked like against Texas Tech for Baylor. They'll beat us 45-17. to 17, Yeah, it'll be fun. And they'll have possession of the ball 40 minutes to hour 20. And I'm sure there'll be boo birds just like there was for the uh, 2014 Baylor game at home. Which, by the yeah. way, if this is your final matchup well, with turn these guys. if it over five times. Then, yeah. If this is your last matchup with these guys, what's the most memorable OU Baylor game? Is it 2015? Is it that 2014 game that we just 19. referenced? 2019 Big 12 title or 2019 regular season in the comeback? Regular season. Not the overtime game in 2005. You didn't even know they played. Yeah, they didn't, you didn't even They played an overtime game at home in 2005. Yeah, it's the 2019 regular season game. Coming back from, what, 28-3 is what it was? 28-3. Um, looked like we were dead. We were getting pummeled physically it was bad. by Baylor in that football game. I've never seen anything like it. And that never really changed throughout the entire game. They were still – they were blowing up Jalen Hurts. I'm I, – if there's ever been anything with Jalen Hurts that has really caught my attention and surprised me – impressed me it's not that he's eight known has the best record in the nfl this year it's that he didn't die on the field in waco in 2019 that was impressive yeah my, not only did he not die but he finished the game my favorite part of that game was the very end of the game when it's like oh god okay you got a chance at a game-winning field goal in this freshman like when i say struts on the field Remember, he literally, like, strutted on the field with his shoulders back and forth, like, who is this kid? Who is this guy? He really going to walk out there like that? He nailed it. I think that's the same year I saw him at the Big 12 Championship. Like, come out. I was down on the – we did our, like, game day show down on the field, um, like, leading up to the game. And when the team showed up, he walked out on the field with, like, his warm-up on. And there was he had no undershirt under it and had like it zipped up about a quarter of the way with like a bunch of gold chains under it and was like I was like, who in the hell is this dude? That's the kicker. Oh well. Oh man. Wow. Well, he Big delivered what he needed Kid to made that a year. Ton yeah, of kicks for us. All right, we got to hit a break. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We will wrap up the day next. Here from Pryor's Pizza Kitchen in Goldsby.